Hello again, home listening audience. This is another episode of my yet-as-to-be-named podcast, where I will be discussing pretty much anything as far as Star Trek CCG goes. I've decided that I think these first two episodes should be behind-the-scenes discussions on how I run my two podcasts, and eventually this could evolve into a discussion on deck types or current events that are going on in the Star Trek CCG universe. Uh, In any event, let's uh, talk about Shakedown, shall we? So Shakedown was Matt Kirk's idea, and uh, before we get too far into it, I I was inspired by Mark Rosewater's Driving to Work Magic the Gathering podcast. I listened to that a couple times and went, hmm, I don't do much when I'm driving to and from work except to listen to NPR or listen to some books on tape or whatever. So I thought, hey, why not I take this time and, you know, talk about whatever's on my mind. So, anyway, Shakedown was Matt Kirk's idea. I've said that about five times now. Matt Kirk is a really cool guy. He has... Uh, I think I, I, I've met him, of course, and uh, what's to say about him? He, uh, he's been on my first podcast show uh, more times than I can count, and he's also really good at the show. Uh, I think he's only been beaten once or twice by other players, and it was kind of ironic that he ended up on my first episode of Shakedown as well and got eliminated in the first round. So... I don't know. Uh, obviously, that shows that there's no advantage for being the creator of a game, <laughs> at least not this game in this case. So anyway, Matt Kirk, uh, this is his idea. Uh, Shakedown is essentially uh, a ripoff of The Weakest Link, and uh, that said, The Weakest Link hasn't always been. It wasn't my favorite game show when it came out on the air. So as you as you all might recall from the last episode, I'm a big game show geek, nerd, dork, whatever. And I used to subject my friends in high school to playing uh, game shows at parties. Uh, if that's not geeky, I mean, if that's not the dorkiest thing anyone's ever heard of in their entire life, uh, you are obviously... <laughs> I don't know, I guess we're all pretty geeky if we're playing Star Trek, but... I digress. I, I let me. I'll back up. My, I wanted to create a game show. I've wanted to create a game show for some time now, and I think that stems all the way back to high school. I hit game shows really hard when I was in ninth, tenth grade. I think it was tenth grade. It turns out my uncle had like the best most awesome digital cable that was available at the time and i found out that there was a television channel solely devoted to airing reruns of old nickelodeon game shows called nick gas and they re-aired my favorite game show (laughs) well it's not my favorite game show but it's my favorite kids game show of all time double dare family double dare super sloppy double dare and even double dare 2000 and i Man, my 15th birthday party, I had over at a fellow Trek player's house, and I subjected all my high school friends to playing Double Dare in their backyard. And it was really fun to set up and put all the components together, write all the trivia, and even go so far as to download all the sound clips and sound effects I could find of Double Dare. And that was my first foray into 
hosting a game show and trying to figure out what actually goes into putting together a game show. And I found out it wasn't easy, especially if you're trying to do it by yourself. If you don't have a crew or people behind the scenes to write the questions, put together sound effects, play sound effects, follow who's winning and who's losing and all of that, well, it's really difficult. I recall having to create a scoreboard of sorts for the for that party. I had to set up all the obstacles ahead of time. I had to come up with the physical challenges, and I had to write all the trivia. And although it was a blast and it was a lot of fun, it was definitely hard work to put it all together. So I guess what I'm saying is, by kind of taking it down memory lane, I think I'm saying that... I love game shows so much that I'm willing to put this much effort into it to kind of put it together and have fun with it that I, I'm, I'm really serious about it and I want to make a, a quality product. So I started to learn to program. My, <laughs> this, this, is, this is where it gets really obtuse and almost perverted. That my love of game shows goes so far as to be probably be the reason that I am now a computer science major and love to program, at least as a hobby. I'd love to do it full-time, but for now, it's just a hobby. And I I was hanging out with Jeremy Commander one time at a Borders, well, for like a Monday night game night or something. And I was in college at the... No, I wasn't in college. Uh, this was high school still. And he had... This was actually before then, uh, several years before that. Uh, he... I, I was asking around how, you know, I, I came up with this concept of a, a combining Double Dare with Star Trek CCG, and we would play it. <laughs> uh, we would play it at uh, as a side event at tournaments and at big events where we do Star Trek CCG. And I had no idea how I could actually put together something, some kind of a computer program that could actually run the show, because that was the hard part. So Jeremy, I was talking to him about this in passing. He said, well, why don't you use something called Macromedia Director? And I'm like, what the heck's that? So he said he had used it to create a game show of his own, actually, for the Boy Scouts when he was still in that. Uh, so I go and look up this program, and sure enough, it's exactly what I needed. It's kind of like PowerPoint on crack. And now it's manufactured and uh, maintained by Adobe because Adobe bought Macromedia. But anyway, I... Done was a 30-day trial of this, and wow, I could do exactly what I wanted to. I could maintain scores. I could put a question database in there. I could do uh, sound effects. I could even put movies in there if I wanted to. And this was exactly what I needed. I wanted something I, that would let me control the game show using the keyboard or a mouse or whatever. And I could plug it, like say, an auxiliary display into a laptop bring this wherever I wanted to go and just kind of use it as a way of maintaining all the scores. And this was perfect. I was like, holy crap. Uh, after weeks or months of putzing around with this program, I got exactly what I needed and I used it to run Star Trek Double there and it was great. 
And so, yes, I subjected, I subjected the uh, NorCal Rise of Playing group to playing several games of Star Trek Double Dare. We would, it was great because we would, uh, the physical challenges were something to the kin of, uh, I, ha- I was into collecting Star Trek action figures, so I'd bring my loose action figures and we have to knock down three in 30 seconds or whatever. And everyone seemed pretty receptive to it as long as I tried to stay and kind of keep the, the passion of the game show down and, and just try to make an enjoyable experience for everyone. So that was the birth of what eventually came to be the Star Trek CCG game show. I decided that, uh, well, in any, in any event, this, this grew into my love for programming. I programmed several other game shows in, in Macromedia Director, and those are actually some of them live on in the Star Trek CCG game show. I didn't actually play them though. I just created them. My 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 driving thought was, well, maybe if I get these to a good enough place, I can post these online, and someone can use these to probably be a standalone game show or to host a game show, and maybe I'd get feedback on it. I don't know. Podcasts weren't really a thing when I was doing this. And if podcasts had been a thing, if Skype was more robust, if I had high-speed internet at home, maybe something like this would have materialized. And it were, this was still in the days of Decipher. Second edition was going strong, and I, I wasn't really playing any Star Trek at this time. I was just chugging along making these game shows or something like that. I don't really remember. So anyway, uh, where am I going with this? We've got... So I'm making these game shows, and I ended up majoring in computer science because I was like, cool, I can program in this stupid program, quote-unquote program. There was some programming that actually went into running the whole thing and writing these programs, Uh, but most of it was graphical, drag-and-drop, GUI stuff. Uh, So I ended up learning Java and C++, and now I'm learning Python as part of my job, and... All of this has come together to help me create the ecosystem that now is the Star Trek CCG Game Show and, and Shakedown. So uh, I think I should put a disclaimer that if you don't want to hear the boring life story of Corbin Johnson, uh, skip to this part of the game show of the of the podcast where I'm going to actually start talking about what it took to make Shakedown and what why it's a fun show to put together. So to do Shakedown... I knew that it was going to be a real pain in the butt to run in real time as a one-player, a one-man host and show and crew. So I decided that I had to automate pretty much everything. Automate showing me the questions, automate whose score it is, whose turn it is, and automate uh, a timer that would display who or how much time was left in the round and which round it was and all that. So I buckled down and decided that since I'd already written the Star Trek CCG game show app in Java, well, I might as well do this in Java. I wasn't, I didn't know Python all that well yet, and I, maybe I would have done it as Python, or it doesn't really matter, you know. These programs you could do in C++ or whatever programming language you know, or whatever. You could probably even jury-rig something in in. PowerPoint to actually run a game show, but I did what I knew, and it's worked out really well, so I 
actually putting together that Java app took... <sighs> okay, so uh, it actually it took months because once I, f- I found out that Google Hangouts could actually do the other really hard part of this, which would have been the uh, making this in- from an audio game show to a video game show. So my first thought, and I went with this unfortunately for several weeks, was let's automate the entirety of the game show inside of Google Hangouts using JavaScript and CSS and HTML. And I tried that. And sure enough, I was able to get an interactive uh, display that would display on the right of the Hangout that would allow me to take care of whose score it was and what the question was and all of that. And then I actually tested the damn thing, and sure enough, it lagged, and it was too slow, and I don't know what, because I don't know JavaScript for beans. And I, you know, I'm stack overflowing and Googling everything I need to know to actually put this together, and sure enough, it, it falls apart, and I scrapped, the whole, I scrapped the whole thing. I wasted so many hours on this thing, unfortunately. So I decided, okay, let's take a step back. What do I really need to run Shakedown? I just need a standalone app that can keep the score for me and play the sounds. And if I want to do video stuff, well, I'm not going to be able to score to show a score on the display because I didn't know about Tornado at the time and, and how to actually communicate from JavaScript to my PC. I actually said to myself, well, someday down the road I'll figure out a way to do that. It's not that big a deal right now. So I wrote the Java app and... By the time that I I finally finished the Java app, it was three months after Matt Kirk and I had discussed what would go in, and I thought about the rules of the game and all of that. Uh, I I say it so lightly. I figured out the rules of the game. But that was actually, my goodness, that was, I had to figure out how many players do I want to play the show. So uh, let's step away from the technical side of putting together a game show, and let's talk about actually the rules of coming up with a format. Now, I've said several times I've ripped off the weakest link. And sure enough, yeah, it's it's a total ripoff of the weakest link. There's uh it's almost the the show and uh if if the show ever gets insanely popular way above and beyond the uh popularity of uh of the Trek CC, then I'll get sued, and that's fine. I'll get a cease and desist letter and that's the end of it. But I don't really care. I'm just doing this for fun. So Matt Kirk said to me, let's make the weakest link, but do Star Trek. So I said, great. I hate the weakest link's voting system. I I can get really into it. I once tried to do the weakest link as a high school game show party. And everyone said to me, well, it's just not fun if you're voting off your friends and you're just sitting around after that. So I said, okay, what if we actually take the weakest link and remove him or her from game? Well, then we're still sitting around, and that sucks. And so I'm like, well, forget it. Let's not do the party. And that, I never did it. But as a podcast game show, that might actually work. We could do voting. And the last round of the show, or I'm sorry, the the first two rounds of the show, we do have voting to a degree. Uh, but I played around with a couple of ideas that I did a little playtesting with. And the first idea, I think, was let's take the weakest player and send him home. And that's it. And I thought, well, that gets me around the problem of ripping off the weakest link. Because at that point, 
it's just a four-player quiz show, and the worst player gets eliminated, and you're working together still to try to increase your total score for the last player, but it just wasn't clicking. I can't remember the exact reason why I scrapped that was. So I think, what was the next idea? It was to, I, I came up with another iteration. I can't remember what it is right now. Uh, and, and I tried it out with a couple friends of mine to see if they liked it, and it just didn't click for some reason. And playtesting, 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 right? And even as a designer, I realized that that's, you need to playtest more than design. I mean, <laughs> you can't playtest without design. You can't design without playtest. But if you're going to emphasize one area, you really should emphasize the testing. Without testing, you have nothing. And you should not release a product without testing. Uh, of course. And, and I could go into it. And as a full-time tester, there's so many anecdotes and processes that make sense when you're testing. But... Suffice it to say, I went through several iterations of gameplay before I settled on what was actually heard on our first and only episode of Shakedown so far. And what I learned, and, and that's why that's why TV shows have pilots, and that's why game shows have pilots, and all shows have pilots. That was my Shakedown episode, my pi- my pilot of Shakedown, and I learned a lot from doing that. I learned that trivia like that is easy for some and hard for others, and that maybe the round should be longer, maybe there should be easier trivia, maybe it's worthwhile to, you know, focus on these things. And so I went I went with that, or I will be going with that when we have our next episode, which I have no idea when I will. And I can discuss later some of the issues I have with Shakedown and... You know, it's a great show, and it's a fun show to put together, and it's an easier show to put together than the Star Trek CCG game show. Uh, I mentioned in my last podcast that there's this possibility that I could automate the question generation of Shakedown, and I definitely think that's possible. All I, What I did, uh, I recently did a project where I went through the database of Lackey for 1E, and I separated every card by every personnel and did a statistical analysis on the average and, and standard deviation of each attribute for each affiliation and their ships, I think. And that was kind of fun to do. And that, you know, if I could do that for TUI, I, I mean, I don't not, not do that process for TUI, but parse the database that Lackey uses for TUI and just ask the computer for things like who, which personnel has, which Bajoran personnel has these seven skills and has these attributes. Or I could say, name three personnel, name three Cardassian personnel with honor, or something like that. And just pre-program everything and just hit run and it'll spit out 50 questions. I'll look through them, parse through them and go, these look good or this one's bad. Let's find another one. And that would take the writing. The CCG game show takes me an hour to write. This would make this show uh, cost whatever the upfront cost of programming that parser is. And that's probably several hours. And then I hit a button and go through and it'll take me maybe 10 minutes to write an episode. And that'll be perfect. Then I can have a database of, you know, thousands of questions that I'm ready to go with for Shakedown. Shakedown's about a 50-question show at this time. It's probably going to bump up to 60 or 65 or maybe even 70, depending on how good the players are. 
And yeah, if I can just do that, I can make it up so at any time. So I'm excited to do that. Let's talk about some of the issues that go into what, what I learned from doing my first episode of Shakedown and from trying to do sub- subsequent episodes of Shakedown. I've learned that it's really, really hard to get four players together at the same time online. Uh, I've sent out several casting requests for people who want to be on the show and former contestants from the 1E show who have expressed interest on being on the 2E show. And I can never get four people together. It's a miracle I was able to get the first show together in the first place. Uh, maybe I'm not trying hard enough to cast and get people together for doing an episode of Shakedown. Maybe that's my fault. But I've had difficulty getting two people together for the CCG game show. And I've, I think I once had three people say, yeah, let's do Shakedown. And I just couldn't get a fourth person in time. Maybe I need to have a better list of potential contestants ready to go, and maybe they need more advance notice of when I want to tape a show. Maybe I'm taping it the wrong day. Uh, I try to tape on weekends, but maybe everyone's more free on a weeknight, and I'm not free on weeknights, typically. Uh, These are learning lessons that I was hoping that the Star Trek CCG game show would have helped me overcome for Shakedown, but it's just not gelling, and I haven't taped an episode of Shakedown, I think, for five or six months now, and uh, I have great ideas for Shakedown. There's things I want to do, like a a tournament, maybe, of the seven most popular playgroups in the United States, but that would require such organization of going to each playgroup and saying, hey, can you organize four guys at this day, at this time, to meet me online? And I don't think it's going to happen. The, when I tried to do the tournament format with the Star Trek CCG game show, I thought that would be a shoe in I thought, I just need eight people, and I'm going to need them, you know, at whatever time, and tape seven episodes. And I thought that was going to be a breeze, and it wasn't. It took me, I think, three months to actually do the seven episodes, because getting people to show up, uh, at one point, you know... Uh, I'll, I wanted to get I, I wanted Franklin Kenter on the show He's a friend of mine And uh, I think <laughs> I felt that he was it, It's a game show, right? It's um, the, 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 the way I originally intended it to be Was it's a game show I'm offering prizes People should come in droves To want to be on the show Because all I want is you for an hour To maybe answer some questions And have some fun and you're going to get some prizes along the way. And I thought, oh my god, people are going to line up for the show, and I want to be a contestant. And no. So Franklin, I basically had to call him, and I won't say I begged him to be on the show, but it almost came to that. It wasn't me doing him a favor, it was him doing me a favor. And, uh, I mean, that's just one one aspect of it. And then you've got people like Matt Kirker, like, sign me up. You're doing a show, I want to be on it. This is super fun for me. And everyone else is like, well, yeah, I'd, I'd like to be a contestant. And it's this, it's really, it, it, I've learned that doing a game show is not really about the prizes. It's really about people wanting to have some fun and show off their talents if they want to be on the show. So 
I mean, if I offered, you know, $10,000 or a new car, yes, people would show up in droves and they'd study the game. And people who have never even heard of the game show or the show or the, the game are going to learn the game, right? That's just going to happen. And, and that's, I think that's what drives a lot of players to play Magic the Gathering, or at least some players. They're offering, you know, 50, 100 grand for being a victor of a world championship. That's even tempted me a few times to think, well, maybe I should get into magic, but nah, I just don't have the time for it. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm on a shoestring budget. <laughs> it's all the stuff's coming out of my pockets, uh, and if people want to show up and do it, great. If not, yeah. so maybe I will be able to produce more episodes of Shakedown in the future using these lessons. I'm hoping that I can organize my local play group to play Shakedown. They're a two E centric play group. And we typically have anywhere from four to ten players come to any local tournament. So if I can have five people show up to a tournament, and 30 minutes before the game, before the tournament, we bust out of the show, great. The problem with that, of course, is, you know, it's a podcast show. It shouldn't be Star Trek. It shouldn't be Shakedown, the local edition, every episode. It should be uh, as many new players as possible in every episode. Uh, having a couple carryover is fine. Um, yeah, so Shakedown has been a lot of fun. Let's see, what other lessons have I learned from Shakedown? Easy trivia is probably the best way to go. Fast trivia, making sure, oh, the rules. The rules of the show are a monster, and, and I got a lot of feedback. I got some feedback after the first episode that people were like, I didn't really follow the rules, but once I heard the show, it made a lot of sense. And in playtesting other board games and that sort of thing, I've had to say several times to people, your rules don't make sense. Yes, it made perfect sense once we played the game, but your rules suck. And you're going to have to go back and make this brain-dead simple. Assume that I'm, you know... Uh, you know how games advertise a, a lowest number, uh, a lowest age that a board game can be played for? Well, if your rules can't read to that age group, what are you doing? You really have to... I mean, you're not going to make it super childish, but you do have to keep your rules to a level where... If a situation comes up, you need to account for it. And that's Star Trek CCG, right? That's the first edition. You've got a glossary for every possible scenario. And TUI's done a great job of kind of shifting the rules from a rule booklet to the cards. The cards more or less speak for themselves except for uh, mission attempts. Mission attempts, yes, you need to clearly define how everything goes down during a mission attempt, and that's fine. So Shakedown, I'm not really sure what to do with this. I guess I can try to streamline... I think what I'm going to do is streamline the rules so that they say, you know, four players in, one player out, and you're going to be answering questions in a limited amount of time, and on your turn you can either score the points that are available or not. Don't worry about the rules right now. Once you play again, once you listen to a round, once you play a round, you're going to get it. You know, I could have the rules be that simple. Maybe that leaves a lot of ambiguity, though. The question is, well, how do you choose who the worst player is? Well, it's it comes down to, did you answer the most correct questions in the fewest amount of time? When you incorrectly... You know, that's, that's important. I think it's important for the players to understand, but maybe not so important for the listeners at home to understand. I don't know. Maybe I could have a website that has all the 
crazy rules defined and say, for more information, go to this website. That's stupid, too. I don't really like that idea either. It's going to be up to me. I think it's going to be an iterative process as we do more episodes, the rules will change. And that's just, the rules change with the Star Trek CCG game show. In the first season, they were very complex and uh, drudged out. And every player who plays on the show, I send them uh, a list of rules before the show and things that take care of corner cases. Uh, things like, well, what if in round three we're both tied and, you know, who's going to give me the first item on the list? You know, that's, you got it. You have to have those rules written somewhere. But, um, and this is what's interesting. The, so I've seen the Price is Right taped like four times. And I'll tell you that as a person sitting in the audience, you, they don't hand you any rules before the show starts. I don't know if legally well so obviously so the life the the lifespan of a contestant in the price is right is someone who's picked who's someone who's interviewed before the show someone who sits in the audience and if the person if the producers like you enough they'll pick you and there's before before the first four names are called down to contestants' row, no one see, sees any rules other than the announcer coming out and saying, "Hey, you're going to be on camera. Don't chew gum. Don't uh, don't do stupid things like when you're in contestants' row, look back at the audience trying to get a price for whatever's you're bidding on. Don't do stupid things like that. Just have fun, be relaxed, um, and we're going to have a great time. And even if you don't get picked." you're going to be part of the probably the most exciting party that takes place in an hour. He doesn't actually give, like, rules of the game. Like, if you get picked and you're at the wheel and you, uh, you know, you win $25,000 if you spin a dollar twice, you know. He doesn't say things like that. So the rules are, corner cases are not defined, at least on the show, uh, at the time before things come up. So I don't even think it's necessary for me to be sending out rules before the show so long as if a situation comes up, I explain the rules at that time. Um, And it needs to be fair. The most important thing about running a game show online, or any game show for that matter, is to make sure that it's fair. And if something shitty comes up, sorry for my language, if some bad situation comes up, that you account for fairness and that everyone has a fair shot at winning every prize. So that's why I always have said that if some weird situation, like the episode the episode four with Franklin versus uh, Matt uh, Decker, uh, that um, uh, Matt Zeno is Commodore Matt Decker, that you know, when I screwed up on that warp speed list, that both players can come back, or that the loser play, the player who got screwed by my indis, by my bad decision, is allowed to at least come back on the show in the future. And that's that's been done time and time again on game shows where if a technical issue comes up, typically either you get allotted the full amount of the prize prizes possible that you were available to win or you come back on the show and have an equal opportunity to win as many prizes as before or greater. And I think, you know, as long as I respect those rules and make sure everyone has fun and has a fair time, then that's fine. 
I know no one's going to sue me if I say, ah, oh, you screwed up and I screwed up, but hey, I don't really care. I'm just trying to get a show done and screw you. Well, not only is should you be worried about it from a legal standpoint, but you have to be worried about keeping your contestants happy and keeping your listeners happy. So as long as everyone's happy, then everything's fine. And I don't really care. I mean, if... If I just said, hey, I screwed up, you win the prizes anyway, well, so I lose a couple extra dollars worth of prizes. No big deal. At least the listeners at home go, hey, this game's fair, and the contestants that play say, this is fair, and I wouldn't mind playing again, or I, I had a great time. Because this is that's all it is, right? This is a celebration of the Star Trek CCG. And that's all I want to do. I want to celebrate the show, and I want to make sure everyone's having a good time. So... That's just, I guess those are the lessons I've learned from running two game shows. Exhilarating and exciting, and I'm home now, so I'm going to go and finish up this podcast. But tomorrow morning, uh, let's talk about a matter of time. All right, you guys have a good one. This is Corbin Johnson saying so long, and thanks for all the trek.